Welcome to The Road Show. I'm your host today, Len Mink, and we have our very special guest, Andrew Womack, my friend of many years and a friend of this network for many years. Our uh, broadcast history goes way back together. Yes, sir. And uh, you are one of our listening audience's favorite teachers and preachers, and we uh, are honored to have you with us today. Well, it's an honor to be with you, Lynn. Just real quickly, let me say that it was I in 2002, I was on this program, and God used you and Kathy miraculously to help me take the limits off of him. It changed my life. Praise God. It was a significant day right here in this spot where we are. Amen. That's probably the same chair. Might be. <laughs> Maybe they've refinished it. I don't know. Recovered it. Oh, that's so good to hear. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I led worship for Kenneth Copeland for 42 years and just stepped aside recently. But uh, one of his famous quotes is, one word from God can change your life forever. That's right. And it's so true. God is not so much into time you know, linear time as he is timing. Mm -hmm. So we're talking timing. Yeah. Timing is so important. Well, you know what I'm talking about is the Lord had spoken to me that I was limiting him by my small thinking, and I was meditating on this and wondering how is it that I'm limiting him. And one of the ways was I just wouldn't let myself see that God was using me. Yep. And I was beginning to come to this revelation, and I came to your show and I had never met you at that time. And I, they had me sit out in the waiting room while you did the introduction and maybe 10 minutes worth of mm -hmm. things. And then you introduced me before I walked in and met you and, mm -hmm. and Kathy. And you just started talking about how God had used my ministry to touch you and it had impacted yes. your life. And I was just shocked because I'd heard you my whole life, and you were famous, and here, ah. here you were talking about God using me. And so we did the show, and then we went to eat afterwards, and I told you, I said, I am just shocked that God used me to touch your life. And you looked at me and says, what's wrong with you? You're on 120 radio stations. Yeah. Don't you think anybody <laughs> listens? And I would not let myself see that God was using me because I was uh, fearful of getting into pride. Into pride, uh -huh. And I was limiting God. And that day, that little statement, that one word, Isn't that great? really helped open up my eyes to see that I was limiting God by not seeing him using me the way that I knew he was. But I wouldn't well, allow it. that's awesome. That's awesome. And we, in turn, have an opportunity to give God glory and to deflect the glory that would have uh, sometimes imaginarily come to us. Mm -hmm. But we have the opportunity to take that uh, adulation or that fact, just a fact, just a yeah. dry fact that this is impacting people's lives and deflect it up to God as an act of worship. Yeah, I was raised, probably you were too, uh, uh, so against pride yes. that I had a false humility. Yeah. And I wouldn't even allow to acknowledge that God was using me. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging what God has done as long no. as, like you're saying, the glory goes to God and yes. not to you. But I wouldn't even allow myself to think that God was using me lest I get into pride. That's the definition of beating yourself up. It is, and that's right where I was. <laughs> A little bit. I'll tell you something that we're going to talk about today, if you'd be so kind, is your newest book, one of your newest books, on the power of imagination. Yeah. And I think this is going to flow right into the first few minutes of our conversation about impacting people's lives and God impacting us with uh, a, a word uh, spoken at just the right moment. Uh, 
And it is, it seems to be one of the, the missing links in a lot of people. And sometimes because of this, uh, what I would call a hyper holiness thing. And, uh, it's, it's a wonderful situation to know that you're hitting the mark with what you're doing to give God glory, uh, with that and that people's lives are being changed. What it, should do, and in your case and in our case it has done, is fuel us to do even more. Mm-hmm. Because then we got this thing of giving God the glory down, and we we can sidestep the uh, spotlight Amen. and uh, not be tempted to that. Let's talk about the power of imagination, unlocking your ability to receive from God. So let's start at the very beginning. What is our imagination? Uh you have it defined in your book on page 11, but let's hear it in your words. Man, you sounds like you know this better than I do. Well, it's, it, I will tell you that timing again, you are now giving to me what's wow. found in this book on printed page, and then, of course, speaking just now. But uh, you're giving to me, once again, exactly what I needed for this phase of my life and Kathy's life uh, to... Uh, grow our imagination, our expectancy. It's just another word for faith, the image of faith. Well, you Uh, know, imagination to a lot of people is fantasy. That's one of the definitions of imagination, and so therefore many Christians reject this and say, you need to deal in reality and quit imagining things. But imagination in its simplest terms is just your ability to see something with your heart that you can't see with your eyes. And we use it constantly. Yes, like, for instance, if you wanted to go home, you have to have an imagination. You see in your mind which way you're going. And if I was to ask you directions right now, how do you get back to the Tulsa airport or something, mm-hmm. you would tell me to go out here and you either turn right or left and you'll go down there, there'll be a stop sign or a light mm-hmm. and you'll see this. And you aren't looking at those things, but you have an image mm-hmm. of that on the inside. That's imagination. If I was to ask you how many doors do you have in your house, you may have never sat down and counted how many doors you have, but you could tell me because you could sit there and look at Mm -hmm. your house. That's your imagination. And a scripture that the Lord really used in my life is Isaiah 26, 3, where the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Mm -hmm. him because he trusteth in him. And that word mind is the Hebrew word Y-E-S-T-E-R, and its only definition is it means literally conception. Mm-hmm. Your mind is where you conceive things, and that exact word was translated imagination five or six times in the Old Testament. So here, boil all of this down. Your imagination is your spiritual womb. It's mm-hmm. where you conceive things. If you can't see it on the inside, you won't see it on the outside. Mm-hmm. And going back to what I was saying at the beginning, when the Lord used you in 2002, to speak to me, and he was told told me I was limiting him by my small thinking, and, and I hadn't allowed myself to see God using me. Mm-hmm. I was following what he told me to do. I was doing it. I was on 120 radio stations, but I wasn't seeing what God was doing. I wouldn't allow my imagination to go there afraid I'd get into pride, and yeah. that was limiting God in my life. So I remember I, the first few days uh, and first couple of years of Karis, uh, and Kathy and I would have been out a couple of times to teach in those early days especially. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I remember, I mean, I remember great things about the time we had with the small little student body there, but 
I remember the portalettes outside. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, I just saw that the other day when I was thinking of this interview coming up, and I thought, Lord, you got this older building with uh, plywood stuck here and there and, and uh, doesn't even have indoor toilets, and uh, it's not up to code, but there's a Bible school there, yeah. and it's amazing. And uh, now look at this beautiful campus and the sanctuary that's coming about and the classrooms and the, the outreach around the world of Karis and uh, the lives that are changed and are going out to change other lives. Literally thousands of students studying for full-time ministries on campuses around the world. And, Lynn, that is a perfect example of what we're talking about. That See, I knew God wanted me to have a Bible school. I knew he wanted it to be big. He wanted to do all these things. And he wanted indoor plumbing. That's right. (laughs) But I wouldn't allow myself to see me prosperous enough. I saw myself poor. And it limited what God could do through me. And, you know, without going into the details, that was in 2002. January the 31st is the day it really dawned on me. I was with you just a couple of weeks before that. And from that time, our ministry has increased over 45 times in size. Our income is up. I mean, uh, it's astronomical, the difference. I have increased more in the last 19 years uh, than I did in 35 years of ministry before that. Wow. It's phenomenal. Wow. And it was because I was limiting God by my small vision. And, Lynn, the people listening to us right now, I think that the average person does the same thing. Life just beats us down and tells us you're a nobody, you can't do things. And because of that, we get this image on the inside of who we are, what we can do, and without realizing it, we, it's like a limiter. It's like a ceiling. It kills our expectancy. It does. And Mm -hmm. if you can't see yourself doing it on the inside, you'll never see it come to pass on the outside. And that's where most people are missing it. I agree. Brother Hagin, this comes to to mind. Brother Hagin said this quite often. If you see yourself doing it in the spirit, do it. Go walk it out. Flesh it out. Mm -hmm. See yourself doing it. And that's what he's talking about, a faith image. Uh, as the Latin says, Imago Dei, the, the, the image of God coming through something that the Holy yeah. Spirit, and that's one of his major ministries, the Holy Spirit, is to bring pictures to us yeah. from the heart of God uh, that line up with the word that he wants to do for you. And all he wants to do is bless you if you'll engage in what he is showing you. Here's a good uh, place for us to talk about this. The Tower of Babel was an interesting thing. Uh, talk about that just a minute. And uh, why was the imagination of the Babylonians a threat to God's plan? That's an amazing statement there from Genesis chapter 6. He says, he saw that the imagination of the thoughts of the men's heart was only evil continually uh-huh. and that now nothing would be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So imagination was so powerful that the Lord had to confuse their tongues and uh, limit their ability to communicate because it actually was threatening to his plan. Think about something that threatens God to such a degree that he had to divide our languages. That shows you the power of imagination. And most people don't understand this, and so they spend very little time imagining they think that it's foolish, fantasy, childish. I've got to deal with reality. But I tell you, if you need to develop 
this imagination. Absolutely. Let me give you an example. This is a story that I heard on a on a preacher's tape, and he talked about a woman who was legally blind. She could see, but had very poor eyesight, and she had these huge Coke bottle-type glasses. Mm-hmm. And a healing evangelist came to her church and wanted to pray for her, and she was a pastor's wife, and she had been prayed for so many times she didn't want to be disappointed again, so she avoided him. But at the end of the meeting, he just cornered her and said, I want to pray for you. So uh, anyway, she allowed him, and he said, take your glasses off. He laid hands on her and prayed for her, and he says, now can you see? So she started to open her eyes, and he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes thinking, how can I see if I don't open my eyes? And he said, now can you see? So the second time she started to open her eyes, and he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes. And finally, the third time, he says, now can you see? And she started to open her eyes, and he says, I'm not telling you to open your eyes. You've got to see yourself seeing before you can see it with your eyes. Uh And she finally understood. So she kept her eyes closed, prayed in tongues for a few minutes, and finally she says, I see it. I see myself seeing. Uh And he said, now open your eyes. And boom, her eyes were open. Isn't that amazing? And this is where most people miss it. They pray and ask God for a healing. But have you seen yourself healed? Or do you see yourself sick? Do you still see yourself you know, in the wheelchair or having the allergies or planning your vacation around the time of year so you won't get (laughs) things. Do you see yourself well on the inside? If you can't see it on the inside, you'll never see it on the outside. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we're having a great conversation. Our special guest is the author of The Power of Imagination, Unlocking Your Ability to Receive from God, Andrew Womack. And we will be back right after this. I'm David Warren here with some exciting news for Oasis listeners. We have a new mobile device app. It's free, easy to download, and lets you enjoy our refreshing music and talk everywhere you go. If you have an Android cell phone, go to the Google Play Store. And if you have an iPhone or iPad, visit the Apple Store and search for Oasis Radio Network. Be an Oasis ambassador and share this news with family and friends around the world. Welcome back to The Road Show. I'm your host, Lynn Mink, and we have Andrew Womack in the house today talking about his new book, The Power of Imagination, and uh, the subtitle is Unlocking Your Ability to Receive from God. Parents and family and people in our lives can either dumb down our imagination or help us to develop a healthy image of ourselves in life and, and have goals and have uh, vision, you know, for our life and our future. Tell us a little bit about your mom and and your brother and the IQ tests <laughs> and what effect that had on you. Because a lot of people that yeah. are going through that right now, a number of their parents did on them. You know, just before my mother died in 19, well, let's see, 2009, uh, we were talking and my brother has an IQ that's like 165, I think it is. He's, wow. he's right there around Einstein. Yeah. And anyway, my mother was a school teacher and she had access to our test results and things like this. So when I was a little kid, 
she was talking about Ray, my brother's uh, IQ being so high. And so I just asked her, I said, so what's my IQ? And she said, oh, you're 88. You're two points above an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's been done to me so many times early in my life. It's, oh, it's tra- and, tragically funny. <laughs> and anyway, we were talking about this right before she died. And I just mentioned that. And she says, that's not true. And I said, you told me that. And she said, I must have been joking. But I grew up my whole life thinking oh I was two points above an idiot. Now, it didn't incapacitate me because, like, I was uh, in school. I never studied. I never took the stuff home and did the homework, and I still made A's or B's. I never made a C. And so I was okay, and it didn't devastate me. But I yeah. grew up my whole life thinking I'm two points above well, an idiot. It was, and a that, heart, it was a heart lie. And it limits yep. what you think you can do. Yep, I can identify with that, brother. Hey, in uh, chapter three, you talk about narrow-mindedness. Now, you talk about two sides of narrow-mindedness, the negative side and the being convinced that the word is true and nothing else side of Mm narrow-mindedness. Go into that narrow-mindedness thing a little bit because that's going to be really helpful. Well, I don't remember my teaching by chapters, so I hope this is what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, make up something. (laughs) All right. But to me, narrow-mindedness, you know, people criticize you for that, but it's really a positive thing if you can focus on the things of God and be so narrow-minded that you don't listen to anything. Instead of being a control freak type of narrow-mindedness. That's right. Yes. And and, uh, so anyway, it's really all about your focus, about your mental things. According, uh, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Lord will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. So really, the change, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So our little hearts are perfect once we get born again. We've got the mind of Christ. Our spirit is identical to Jesus. The real change in the Christian life comes when we get our thinking lined up. That was a big deal for you to realize that your spirit was just like Jesus. That That's what changed my life. My word. It's what changed me because I had this ex- encounter with the Lord on March the 23rd, 1968, and, and God showed up, and I was caught up into the presence of God for four and a half months. Was that in Vietnam? No, it was before Vietnam. Before you went to Vietnam. And I had this emotional encounter with the Lord, but after four and a half months, it was gone. And then I spent nearly two years in desperation trying to get it back. And that's Mm -hmm. when I was drafted and sent to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was desperate in Vietnam just praying, oh, God, what do I do to get back into this place where I was just emotionally enveloped in the love of God? And out of desperation in Vietnam, I just started reading the Bible up Hmm. to 15 hours a day. And through the word, I learned that my spirit was perfect and that it was in my spirit that I related to God, not emotions. And it totally changed my whole focus. And I began to start realizing who I was in Christ. Mm. And I still have emotional experiences and feel the presence Mm -hmm. of God, but it's like a byproduct. It's not the root. It's the fruit. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever go by emotions. Some of the greatest things I've ever seen happen in my life, I felt nothing about. Mm -hmm. So... It was a turning point in my life. Well, uh, we're going to take another break right now, and you don't want to miss the next segment because we're going to talk about seeing ourselves doing the works of Jesus. 
And I want you to talk about all those dreams you had of, of mm-hmm. you raising people from the dead, and to talk a little about your son as well. Um, and we'll be right back with our special guest on The Roadshow, Andrew Womack, after this. The Roadshow is a listener favorite, which airs each weekday here on the Oasis Radio Network, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Central. The Roadshow also has a great section on our website, oasisnetwork.org. There, you'll find audio archives of select past interviews, plus guest lineup, and contact information and links to our Roadshow sponsors and its hosts. So join us for The Roadshow, whether on your radio or on your computer at oasisnetwork.org. Welcome back to segment three of our special Roadshow edition with Andrew Womack, our special guest who has written The Power of Imagination, subtitle Unlocking Your Ability to Receive from God. Now, over in chapter five, you recount your experiences of believing to do the same works as Jesus. Uh, you imagined them, you, you pictured them, you even dreamed about them. I'll let you go into that. But when you got to raising the dead, that part of Jesus' ministry, I think you hit a pothole, and, uh, <laughs> and you had to come into a whole new level of faith. Tell us about that. Well, you know, John fourteen twelve says, the same works that I do shall you do also in greater works than these. And I was meditating on that verse, and I thought, God, I've seen some good things happen, but I haven't seen all of the works that you did. And I just focused on raising the dead. And what I did was take a sheet of paper, and I wrote out every instance that Jesus raised somebody from the mm-hmm. dead. And well, not just Jesus, but every time in the Bible that somebody was raised from the dead. Now, there's one instance where multitudes came out of the grave yeah. after Jesus' resurrection. But right. just talking about individual instances, there's only eight in the Bible where people were raised from the dead. So I took them, I began to study them and meditate them, and then I made the step to not only see Jesus doing it, but I started seeing me doing it. And I actually, Lynn, some people think this is crazy, but it helps you to imagine things. I, You know, uh, Elijah went and raised, uh, it was either Elijah or Elisha laid on, on the boy that mm-hmm. he was raising from the dead and put his mouth on his mouth and his hands on his hands and his feet on his feet. And he laid on him and he waxed warm. Yes. And then he got up in the house and walked for a while and came back. And did it. I actually got on a bed and acted like there was a person there. And I saw myself doing what Elisha did. And then when Jesus called Lazarus from the grave and said with a loud voice, I saw myself doing it. It wasn't enough to just see Jesus doing it or Elijah or Elisha. I started seeing me do it. And I focused on it so much that I got to where I dreamed about it. And every night I would see myself raising 10 or 15 people from the dead every night. And it just was boiling in me. And this goes to the point that we were making earlier that if you can't see it on the inside, you won't see it on the outside. Mm-hmm. So I had been going through this process, and I mean, I was just raising people from the dead right and left in my dreams and stuff. <laughs> and then I get a call that my son had died, mm-hmm. and he had been dead for four hours at the time they called. Wow. And he was already in uh, the hospital. They had... Uh, pronounced him dead, put him in a morgue, stripped him naked, and put a toe tag on and had him in a freezer. My word. And so they called and told me this, and Jamie and I just got up and spoke our faith, 
and we it took us uh, about 15 minutes to get up and get dressed and then we had to uh, drive 45 minutes into town so it was over an hour and this is before we had cell phones and stuff so we didn't know we were just standing and believing god and when we got to the hospital my son my oldest son came running out and he said i don't know what happened but five or ten minutes after i called you peter just sat up and started talking in the morgue wow and when we got there he was totally lucid and that has been now nearly 20 years 19 years or so wow and he is i mean he's brilliant he's and, a gifted young man i remember yeah. him oh yeah and he's functioning good he works for us he's the one that puts up our led and runs a lot of our it stuff and Fabulous. i mean after being dead for nearly five hours he was restored with no brain damage can you imagine somebody that was nearby saying, hear, hearing something from the vault, the refrigerator going, this tag on my toe is hurting me. <laughs> I, you know, I've never heard that story about exactly how they discovered him alive. But when I got there, Morse he, was, code, you know. he was sitting up and uh, he was dressed in one of these little gowns and yeah. stuff. And he was totally talking. And man, the, the people in the hospital panicked. Because they were afraid, uh-oh, we pronounced him dead, and here he is alive. And they were thinking lawsuit, lawsuit. or something. And I told them, I said, nope, that's okay. Oh, my word. Oh, that's so amazing. That's so amazing. And, you know, it'll work for anybody. Because it had been years since I'd seen somebody raised from the dead. And I thought, well, this worked before. I'll just do it again. And I started that whole process over and got to the place where it was dominating me so much that I was seeing it. And boom, we start seeing other people raised. From, I saw my wife raised from the dead. Really? Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of that. Wow. And hers wasn't the same situation. We were walking on this sidewalk in Glenwood Springs, mm -hmm. Colorado, and we were going to go see Doc Holliday's grave. It yeah. was on our anniversary, and it was on this real steep hill, and the sidewalk had a curb that was over a foot high because of the steepness of the uh -huh. hill, and somebody had knocked it down so they could put in a driveway, and she was walking along looking at a camera and wasn't paying attention, and she just stepped off of that, and she fell, and instead of putting her hands out to catch her she was protecting her camera uh -huh. she didn't want it to, and she fell and hit the other curb that was like at a, a right angle and it hit her in the chest and it just stopped her heart oh my word i didn't know all this stuff but i've got a doctor on my board who later told me that that was that impact that yes, just sir. stopped her heart it'll happen so she was able to stand up but she wasn't moving and in just about 10 seconds or so i said are you okay and she goes i'm okay and then she just passed out yeah and her heart had stopped and so anyway some people there called 911 but I started praying over her and in just about a minute or two she recovered and wow. she came back and when the emergency people got there they checked her pulse and it was 10 minutes after this had happened and her heart rate was up to 40 beats mm -hmm. per minute mm -hmm. and so that her heart just had stopped and then it restarted and gradually caught up wow. and we were laying in bed later that night Lynn and she started laughing and I said what are you laughing at and she says do you realize they called 911 from the cemetery and the emergency people showed up oh <laughs> she says how did they not think that that was a joke Doc Holliday's grave <laughs> that's oh, right my 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 
something else. But you know, we had been seeing it, and that's the reason it happened. If you yeah. can't see yourself raising the dead or laying hands on the sick, if when you pray for somebody, you think, oh no, or am I going to have a lawsuit, or are they going to get out of this wheelchair? What you see on the inside determines what happens on the outside, and most Absolutely. people have never made that connection. You know, one of the greatest rehearsals I ever had, I was a Navy corpsman with First Marines, and uh, uh, that's a, for those of you who don't know what a corpsman is, that's a, a medic. And, uh, and I was also uh, an, a, an advanced open water scuba instructor, so wow. I did that. And so I had a lot of opportunity to give uh, artificial respiration, mouth-to-mouth, and so forth. And uh, one of the greatest things, uh, my commanding officer was an MD, of course, and uh, he said one of the greatest ways to prepare for uh, 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 CPR and so forth is to see yourself doing it. Go ahead and do it on the dummy, and then go ahead and do it on real-life cases, and you'll get it under your belt pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, that is, you know, the mental rehearsal. And in our case, that imprints on our spiritual canvas. Uh, we see ourselves doing that, and you're ready to do it. Yeah. You're ready to do it because it builds you up on the inside. It gives you a confidence. Now, mine was totally natural. I wasn't even a believer back then. However, the principle is still the same, the rehearsal yeah. for the real event. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. We are uh, going to segue from that into the subject of temptation. Now, I wanted to do this because so many people listening to this broadcast, all of us, every human being is subject to the pull of temptation in one area or the other, through embellishment or through denial. And they're both equally the same. Uh, they just go in different directions, but they're they're both lies. But uh, it, this is a big subject. So where do we start the process of overcoming? Tell you one of the most important things God ever showed me is Hebrews eleven fifteen, talking about Abraham and Sarah, and said yeah. if they had been mindful of the country they came out of, they might have had opportunity to have returned. For them, returning would have been direct sin. God yep. told them to leave, yep. and so. Their temptation to sin was linked to what they think. And the Lord spoke it to me this way. He says, you can't be tempted with something that you don't think. And that transformed my life. Uh, because, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. My brother and sister were raised in the exact same home. My sister, you know, she's now gone to be with the Lord, my brother. I love them both. They're great people, but they had problems. My brother was arrested and had some things happen. He never spent time in prison, but he had problems. My sister mm -hmm. was so depressed, she thought of killing herself. So we were raised in the same home, but for whatever reason, I just believed everything that was told me, and I've been seeking God my whole life, and I'm sure I heard about homosexuality, mm -hmm. prostitution, stuff like that, but it wasn't for me, so mm -hmm. I never thought about it. And therefore, I wasn't ever tempted. Mm -hmm. And right after I got turned on to the Lord, my mother thought I'd lost my mind. So she <laughs> put me with a youth group, and we went to Bern, Switzerland on a trip to hear Billy Graham speak at a conference. And she put me with a Baptist pastor that for three weeks just hounded me and told me that everything I was experiencing three was of weeks. the devil. 
But anyway, my point <laughs> is that the first night on this trip, we went to New York City, uh-huh. and I was with a group of guys. My mother was with a group of ladies, and and so anyway, I'd never seen the stuff that was going on in New York City. Oh, buddy! And I was a hick from Texas, and so. <laughs> I was out at two in the morning, walking the streets and going down alleys and seeing gangs. And I did, I didn't know about gangs. I'd just go up to them and pass them out tracks and witness to all of them. And I remember being on 42nd and Broadway, and there must have been a hundred prostitutes lined up along the street. It never dawned on me who they were. I. I I just thought, this is an opportunity to witness to all these ladies. And I went down the row and passed them everyone out of track and started preaching to them and emptied the entire street in just oh. minutes. And this black guy came up to me and tried to sell me a girl. He was a pimp. And, but, yeah. and I, like I said, I'd probably heard about it, but I wasn't focused on it. It just didn't yeah. register with me. And the street terminology he was using, I wasn't aware of. And after five minutes talking to me, I just kept saying, what? What are you talking about? And this guy just walked away, shaking his head, threw his hands up in the air and shook his head. And he must have wondered, where did this, you know, hit? What rock did he crawl out from under? But my point is, Lynn, that I went back to those guys that I was staying with and I started telling them what this guy was saying. And you'll never, I didn't ever understood what he was saying. And they had to explain to me that he was trying to sell me one of his prostitutes. But my point is, I wasn't the least bit tempted. Yep. You can't be tempted with what you don't think. Yep. And if people are being tempted with sexual things, or it could be mm-hmm. anything, it's because you have been thinking. You have gone there in your mm-hmm. imagination, Absolutely. and you have a picture for them. But if you can't see it on the inside, you can't do it on the outside. Mm-hmm. If you don't see yourself committing adultery, you can't commit mm-hmm. adultery. Amen. If you don't see yourself sinning, you can't go sin. So you can use this imagination to inspire you to imagine and see great things and and begin to take the limits off of God. Or you can use your imagination to quit thinking and imagining defeat and failure. And it'll work in the positive or the negative direction. And God, being the God that he is, gave us the ultimate gift of choice. Mm -hmm. And we can... uh, hook up with salvation or we can hook up with condemnation That's and being true. separate from it. It's, it's a beautiful thing that he's given us the choice. And our imaginations have been so <clears throat> affected by the world around us. People don't realize it. Oh, my word. But if you're sitting there watching movies that portray adultery and homosexuality and things like this, and you say, well, I'm never going to do it. But if that's what you see, if these are the mm-hmm. images that you have, you make yourself open and susceptible to that in a way a person that hasn't visualized those things would never do. It's really true. Uh, And let me bring that to uh, my wheelhouse, uh, which is worship. As you know, I've just put this book out on the supernatural power of music, A Quantum Leap into Worship. Um, It is very, very important that we understand the difference between ungodly frequencies and divine frequencies. And so when a person inundates themselves and soaks themselves in ungodly frequencies, uh, they are going to be affected in their thinking, and even their biological uh, functions are affected. And uh, I just am so focused on the fact of uh, whenever a worship leader or a lead worshiper, and by the way, there's a huge difference, Mm -hmm. one's a performer and one's been with the Lord, Mm -hmm. and... uh, 
when they stand in front of someone and do a, a fabulous delivery, inspirational delivery, just flawless, lights, sound, smoke, everything is just beautiful if you're in Vegas. But uh, <laughs> what is inside of that Christian leader that's standing before you yeah. at that moment yeah. will download into the hearer, that's right. and it will become a part of the canvas of their imagination. That's right. And you may not even know that that's happening, but it is happening. And uh, that's why the integrity and the moral fiber and integrity of people who lead us, and of course for all of us as believers, that's why that's so important, because you're getting a download from Mr. or Ms. Performer up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, and I'll get off my soapbox here in a second. This is your interview. Oh, it's <laughs> but, a good uh, soapbox. But, That's uh, true. Uh, so many of these kids on these talent shows, particularly the ones that uh, are, are really, really good and, and place high in or win, which happens constantly, they all got their start at church. Mm-hmm. Nearly every one of them got their start at church. Well, that's not a good picture. You know, well, I'm going to get as good as I can in church, so then I can go trash myself on the heap of humanity in showbiz. See, I did that. Kathy did that. We know what we're talking about. So uh, it's on a subatomic level, too, what you're talking about. I haven't said those things from the perspective that you're talking about, but I've said the exact same thing to our students. And I've told him, I said, it doesn't matter if your presentation is flawless. What's yep. in your heart is going to imprint on those people. Yes. And so you've got to have the right heart because true ministry is heart to heart, not just, you know, mouth to ear. Yes. And as the old guy says, it ain't taught as much as it's caught. That's right. And so when you catch that spirit of excellence coming from someone, you know that it's not just excellent performance, but it's excellent character. Yeah. Your spirit bears witness. Even your mind bears witness. We had uh, Keith Moore with us, and he was ministering. And right before he got up, we had the offering, and we had a guy get up and sing, I Dreamed of Heaven, and it was spectacular. And, I mean, the audience gave him a standing ovation. It was flawless. But right after he got up, Keith Moore got up, and he just started singing one of the songs, you know, kind of country yeah. things. And, and as far as the quality, there was a huge difference. But there was an anointing on Keith Moore that brought people to tears. Yep. One was out of his natural ability. The other one was out of his heart. And, I mean, the contrast yep. was just huge, and most people don't catch it. I was in North Carolina up in the Smokies in the corner of North Carolina, the western corner. And I was asked to speak that time at a church, and I was there for that one Sunday morning service, country church. Uh, I don't think they had a pot belly stove, but they should have. They missed a good opportunity. <laughs> but it's one of those about 50, 60 people, and it was a friend of mine. And so she asked me to minister there that Sunday since I was there visiting her in the mountains. And I said, I'd be glad to. And uh, uh, it was uh, one of those deals where I was getting ready to sing and minister and and uh, early on in our ministry, and uh, it was, uh, I guess there were uh, some opportunities there for uh, the Lord to move even in my young heart, and I was was getting ready to sing, and Sister So-and-so was asked to do the offertory, and this was a grandma that had a print dress on, no makeup, her hair up in a bun, (laughs) and had a guitar with a busted string. She got up and uh, threw her head back and hit that 
blah, <laughs> that busted string guitar, and all heaven came down. Why? She had been with the Lord. Yeah. So it's uh, and people don't know this. No. And I minister, of course. I'm not a musician, so I don't have the same uh, application that you do. But I minister to teachers and ministers, and it's the same thing. Some of them don't understand. It's what's in your heart. Yes. That's going to impact the people, and of course, you've got to have it organized and said in a logical way. But it's yeah. really a heart ministry, not just intellectual. Amen. Amen. Hope you're enjoying this, ladies and gentlemen. I certainly am. This is your host on the Roadshow, Len Mink, and my special guest, Andrew Womack. We'll be back for the final segment of uh, talking about the power of imagination, which is available wherever books are sold, including Andrew's website at awmi.net. We'll be right back. I'm David Warren, Program Director at Oasis Radio Network and one of the hosts of this podcast. All of our hosts enjoy hearing from you, our listening family, so drop us a note. Our email address is roadshow at oasisnetwork.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you'll receive new episodes on your mobile devices. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Roadshow. I'm your host today, Len Mink, and we have our very special guest, Andrew Womack, who's written a brand new book called The Power of Imagination, Unlocking Your Ability to Receive from God. Now, if I turned the radio on and heard anybody say, The Power of Imagination, Unlocking Your Ability to Receive from God, I would turn it up, I would take notes if I could, and uh, I would remember and use every bit of everything that's being said because it'll. this kind of program with this kind of person, with Andrew, today can set you free and set you on a totally new uh, trajectory to victory. Uh, the things that are coming forth here through Andrew's experience in life, uh, in the spirit and in the natural and how to blend all that together, can absolutely take you light years ahead of where you are. So listen carefully to the remaining 10 minutes or so that we have in this program. And uh, Andrew, uh, we, uh, I don't know exactly how to say it, but how does one live above the norm? And then tell me times that you, you've done this, but let's, let's keep on with examples because those help more than anything. Well, another uh, way of saying this that people can connect to is without a vision, the people perish. Oh, yeah. And that's a product of your imagination. If you look at an athlete, an athlete puts themselves through this terrible, you know, uh, regime that they go through and they discipline themselves and deny the their uh, flesh and their desires to eat and go out with their friends. Why do they do this? Because they see themselves standing on the podium getting the gold medal. And if they don't have a vision, they'll never go through all of the opposition and the effort that it takes to get there. Likewise, in any endeavor, You've got to see a goal out there. You've got to see yourself being the person that God calls you to be. And, Lynn, most people won't let themselves do that. They'll think it's pride for me to sit there and see myself succeeding or something. And that was my problem, that I I was afraid that I would get into pride and self-promotion. But there's a difference between having a vision from God and just focusing on it. Let me use this comparison that, you know, every person— has the potential to be able to run a marathon. 
God made us that any person could do it. It's mm-hmm. but you can't do it right now. You've got to train. And everybody has the same potential, but not everybody will invest the effort. They won't go out and train. They won't deny themselves and stuff like this. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. Every one of us has the potential to be everything that God wants us to be. But there is this process, this discipline that you have to go through. And one of those great disciplines is this imagination. You've got to start dreaming and seeing yourself doing things. And I ask people all of the time, about what is the vision for your life. And most people don't have a vision. Most yeah. people can't tell you. So it's like que sera, sera, whatever. That's right. You know, well, whatever. And whatever if you're God aim- wants to do, they'll even say. And if you're aiming at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. <laughs> you got to have a goal. And this only comes through relationship with God. God made each one of us for a specific purpose. Lynn, you were created by God with certain talents that I don't have, and God wants you to accomplish things that he doesn't want me to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Each one of us are individual, and it's not up to us to just do our thing and ask God to bless it, Mm -hmm. but you need to find out, what God, what do you want me to do? You know, Lynn, when I was five, six, seven years old, I used to lay in the backyard of our house at night and look up at the stars and just think, God, what do you want me to do? Since I was a little tiny kid, I've known that I had a purpose, Mm -hmm. and I've been looking for it, and I just happened to have a whole series on how to find, follow, and fulfill God's will, which we don't have time to get into, but God has a purpose for everyone, and people listening need to start just spending time saying, God, what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? Because he'll talk back. He will. And once he shows you that, then you have to start focusing on that and moving your life in that direction. You know, I've been in churches before that they believe God wants them to have a great praise and worship uh, things. And they have a goal, uh-huh. but they don't invest any money in it. They, uh-huh. they aren't hiring the right people. They aren't getting the equipment and stuff. And I said, you aren't moving towards this goal. You're praying and just somehow or another that it's going to happen uh-huh. without you taking any steps in that direction. And it's the same thing with our life. If you have a goal, well, then how are you making today count towards obtaining that goal? Uh-huh. And this is what people use their imagination for. You need to sit down and get a clear vision of what God wants you to do and then see yourself doing it. And as you begin to meditate on this and use your imagination, God will start using that imagination to bring clarity to you Mm -hmm. about here's how you do it. So the Holy Spirit's involved in the articulation of that vision. And it's not just you dreaming up things that would be nice. God, through the Holy Spirit, is inputting and downloading ways to do it and what he wants and when you want to turn left and when you want to turn right that is really important what you said that it's not you dreaming things up on your own but you you were seeking god and asking god god give me your thoughts trust the answer you know psalms 37 4 says trust in the lord with all your heart or excuse well that's uh proverbs 3 5 Mm -hmm. that's a good one too but psalms 37 4 delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart that doesn't mean he's going to give you your lust it means that when you delight in the lord he puts his desires in your heart so if you are seeking the lord and saying god i want my life to count i want to glorify you and show me what you want me to do and how you want me to do it as you get that attitude and start seeking the lord he will start putting his desires in your heart. Like 
I could give you a thousand examples of this, but I knew God told me that I would be on television someday, and I knew it, and I told people that, and I knew it was in my future, but it was going to be expensive, it was difficult, and I just wasn't excited about it. So I was on radio and doing my own thing, and all of a sudden, in 1999, the Lord spoke to me and said, now's the time, and I saw myself (laughs) going on television, and for a week, I couldn't sleep. (laughs) <laughs> because I was drawing the set, I saw exactly what my program was going to be yeah. like. And at the time, there was not one single person who sat and just ministered. They were all three-piece suits. It was a live service. They had the interaction of the crowd. They had multiple cameras. I made mine like a news broadcast where I'm just sitting down and just like I'm looking at you right now. See, that is brilliance from the Lord, and you were smart enough to obey it. And you have a one-camera shoot. I do. <laughs> and it is like uh, not a production mm-hmm. of uh, complicated things. You turn the camera on, you get a time cue, and you start. You turn it off when it's over. But I saw all of that. And it it was not what I was seeing in other people. And at first, people thought it was going to be terrible. And... Um, Oh, our media buyer, uh, Doug Neese, who's now gone to be with Jesus. You know Doug. Yes. And stuff. Gloria Copeland's brother, by yes. the way. And uh-huh. when I sent our first pilot program to Doug, he came back with a few <laughs> things. You need to start a little quicker and some other things. And then I said, what did you think about the one camera? And he just paused and he said, what? And I said, what did you think about the uh-huh. one? And he didn't even notice. He says, you didn't just use one camera. And I said, yes, I did. And and anyway, we went on, and because of the uniqueness of that, uh-huh. it drew people that were going through the dial thinking, what is this? And it drew people to us, and in hindsight, it was God putting when those dreams in my heart. We uh, commend your, the simplicity of it, because and it is very much like the way you deliver the truth. Very straight air, very straight ahead, very articulate, and uh, people can really get a lot out of it because of that. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, but let me uh, give the information about getting your book. The Power of Imagination is available wherever books are sold, including Andrew's website, A-W-M-I, Andrew Womack Ministries, dot net, A-W-M-I dot net. And, uh, and let me say, yeah. Lynn, that I have 200,000 hours of free material on that website. Wow. If they listened eight hours a day, it'd go 64 years before they could view all of it. <laughs> so all you toddlers, get in on this right away. If Jesus tarries, oh, it's great. In final uh, blessing, just a little nugget. We do not need to be afraid of the devil and of demons and of, of the dark side and all these other metaphors. They need to be afraid of us. Amen. Give us one minute of that, brother. The devil can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. He is totally limited if yep. we don't give him that power. So as we use our imagination to seek the Lord, the only thing you'll be tempted with is success. Amen. Amen. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, We're looking forward to the next time. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening all over the world. Let us hear from you. Thank you for your support of Oasis, and we'll see you next time right here on The Roadshow. You've been listening to The Roadshow. If you'd like to write to us, 
Here's our address. The Roadshow, P.O. Box 1924, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74101. Our email address is roadshow at oasisnetwork.org. The views of today's guest aren't necessarily those of this station, but we do appreciate and thank our guest for spending this time with us. The Roadshow, an Oasis Network presentation. Thank you.